What is atropine poisoning? How can you manage it? What are the effects of anticholinergics on the gut and on the lungs? Let's get to know the answers as we slowly unwind the topic of the day. But let me take a minute of yours. Dear August, the end of summer. Golden sand, ready by the rainwater. Can I call it rainy season? No, I can't. What's the reason behind chilly and windy tan? Three shades of weather conglomerate together. Whatever, I cannot define. It's my favorite, the August time. Welcome on to Is Pharmacology Difficult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Radhika Vijay, MBBS MD, Pharmacology, and this is the audio hub to get the best, simplified basic tips, strategies, methods, and lots of ideas to learn better, understand better, and make your concepts crystal clear. If you rarely find, and if there's a question hovering in your mind, is pharmacology difficult? Lend me your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge. Let's commence the conversation. And first and foremost, we'll quickly get to know few important points. First, vagus nerve innervates the smooth muscle and the glands of the respiratory tract. Second, along the respiratory tract are found mainly M3 muscarinic receptors. Next, Anticholinergic agents, they work opposite to dry up the secretions of the glands which are found all along the nose, the pharynx, the bronchus, etc. The mucous membrane along the bronchial tract, it becomes dry. And the clearance of the mucus by the cilia, that is also suppressed. What does it result into? The mucus plugs, they are formed. These mucus plugs, they can block the respiratory tract and also the airflow. And by doing so, they enhance the infection, especially in the patients which are already having a lot of airway pathologies. But to overcome this problem, we have some decent anti-muscarinic agents like Eprotropium bromide, second, Tyotropium bromide and also Oxytropium. These epratropium, tyotropium, and oxytropium they effectively antagonize the constriction of the bronchi and the bronchioles. Now, what leads to actual constriction of the bronchi or the bronchioles? It is in fact a result of the variety of prostaglandins, especially the, the capital PGF2 alpha. Then Histamine and bradykinin also lead to profound bronchoconstriction and they play a very prominent role, especially in the asthmatic states, where they are also accompanied with the inflammatory mediators. Now, the recently talked about anticholinergic agents, they are in fact very safe and they lead to rather no or very few mucus plug formations. And they also do not suppress the clearance of the mucus. So they find a very welcome use in pathologies like bronchial asthma 
and chronic obstructive pulmonary diseases abbreviated as capital COPD. Now with already told benefits they ensure a very good sound and safe bronchodilation. Let's talk about COPD. It's governed by cholinergic tone. So in this particular pathology the anti cholinergics they are highly in demand. They can be used in patients especially to relieve the acute asthmatic attacks. And in patients of asthma they are given in combination in the form of a nebulized spray and they are combined with beta receptor agonists like salbutamol. Amongst the various anticholinergics, I especially want to talk about thiotropium. It has a long duration of action and it's specially preferred to avoid the repeated dosing frequency. It can be administered once a day. Now this was the first important application or the use of these anticholinergic agents. Where else can these anticholinergic agents find a very good amount of use? Another one to account for is the pre-anesthetic medication. There they suppress the secretions and they are generally administered to achieve all the desired goals like suppression of the bronchial secretions. They also avoid the laryngospasm and they also decrease the cardiac vagal tone. And what are these drugs? The special anticholinergic drugs, they are glycopyrrolate, scopolamine and atropine. Here I want to talk about scopolamine which actually induces desired and adequate amnesia by its CNS depressing property. Now that was another use of anticholinergic agents but again I just want to make it very clear that nowadays they have been taken over by better pre-anesthetic agents like anesthetic drugs, halothane, enflurane, etc. I don't want to go in details of these drugs because they will be covered when they will be discussed in details. Though we have halothane and enflurane kind of drugs, but still glycopyrrolate, one to account for, it's still used many a times as a choice of drug for pre-anesthetic medication. And what's the reason behind this? Because it bears the advantage of causing a lesser amount of tachycardia and effectively it suppresses the salivary secretions and also the secretions from the bronchi. Now these were the two important prominent uses of anticholinergic agents as far as the respiratory tract is concerned. Heading over to the effects of anticholinergics on the gut. Now we shall see here too, the secretions they are effectively blocked and preferentially I am talking about the basal acid secretion that occurs in the state of fasting that is prominently suppressed as compared to the stimulated secretion which is due to the food intake. When the secretion is suppressed then both the bicarbonate and the hydrogen ions they are equally affected. The mucin and the pepsin amount is also decreased. 
normal conversation normal swallowing they all suffer due to the drying of the mouth and the saliva the most important gut parameter that is hampered is the gut motility and the tone so what it results into a highly evident increased gastric emptying time and also increased intestinal transit time but the situation is not as serious because all the gut actions and controls are not cholinergic so many functions they stay intact this is credited to the local hormones and also to the enteric nervous system of the gut have you ever imagined what could be the effect of exogenously administered synthetic anticholinergic agents on the gut some actually may relax the gut and also the bile duct gall bladder also that is all due to this spasmolytic nature so when i'm talking about the gut i'm specially pointing to the following applications of choice that i'm going to tell you just now as far as the anti muscarinic agents are concerned the first one first and foremost excessive salivary secretions they are treated and these secretions may occur in different disease states like parkinsonism or heavy metal poisoning and what are the drugs used for suppressing these secretions they can be dicyclamine and belladonna alkaloids second important applications the spas they are relieved i'm talking about the colicky intestinal and the biliary tract spas also the spas and the colic situations occurring due to the irritable bowel syndrome and the diverticulitis diarrhea The most effective drugs in these conditions are dicyclamine, propanthaline, oxyphenonium, clidinium salts, and glycopyrrolate. Some of the semi-synthetic agents they also find a good use, like methyl atropine, halcyon methyl bromide, etc. In these situations the anticholinergics are administered as a combination with antiviral drugs like diphenoxylate. Now the last and the most important use of the anticholinergics in the different gut situations how can we miss peptic ulcer and different ulcer conditions? The nowadays the mainstay of the treatment for the ulcer is proton pump inhibitors and H2 blockers. But before these drugs they were the mainstay drugs. we had only the anticholinergic agents like glycopyrrolate and propanthaline to depend upon but to be very frank these anticholinergic agents they have their own bundle of pros and cons the pros generally include the non crossing of the blood brain barrier and hence there are no side effects especially the central nervous system and the cons They include the side effects, especially the anticholinergic side effects: dry mouth, constipation, urinary retention, prolonged gastric emptying time. All these they lead to the worsening of the ulcer, and also sometimes they can be acid mixed food reflux in the disease states of reflux esophagitis.
but the situation is not so serious because we have got some decent drugs as far as anticholinergics are concerned and the progressive relief is made by the selective M1 blockers like perenzepine and telenzepine. They find great use in the duodenal ulcer treatment and also in treating the recurrence of the duodenal ulcer. And how do they work? They antagonize the histamine release. And why this histamine release occurs due to the neuronal acetylcholine. But to your utter surprise, you should know that these drugs, that is the M1 selective blockers like perenzepine and telenzepine, they are still not marketed all around the globe. Their marketing and their availability is quite restricted towards the Western foreign countries. What can be the other uses of anticholinergics apart from the respiratory and the gut effects? Well, mushroom poisoning, organophosphorus poisoning, and some of the side effects of neostigmine that are counteracted, especially in the treatment of myasthenia gravis, are all the miscellaneous uses of atropine we can account for. Last but not the least, I'm gonna seal this topic with the discussion of atropine or the balladona poisoning. Now, atropine poisoning is very famously also denoted as the balladona poisoning. Why does it occur? Due to the overconsumption of the seeds and the berries of the datura and the balladona plant. This kind of poisoning generally ensues. In adults, the dose is generally around 80 mg while it's around 10 mg in the neonates, infants, kids. Other reasons of poisoning in kids may be conjunctival absorption or administration of anti-diarrheal drugs that contain atropine. Now, how do you recognize such kind of poisoning? The sign and symptoms, they are the excess of anticholinergic side effects, dryness of mouth, redness of face, blurred vision, photophobia, confusion, hallucinations, urinary retention and constipation. You know, this state of balladona poisoning is generally idiomatically referred the sign and symptoms we can say that the person is actually showing the state as dry as a bone red as beet blind as bat mad as hen that is just a humorous depiction of the sign and symptoms if a patient or the person is suffering from balladona datura poisoning what can be the excess situation lethal states are due to respiratory coma and paralysis and how to cure these states Physostigmine is the mainstay treatment. It is used for diagnosis as well as the treatment of the balladona, atropine or the thura poisoning. To diagnose it, it is administered parenterally, especially intramuscular. If the secretions are all suppressed, it is surely a case of atropine poisoning. And for the cure purposes, it's again given parenterally. It can be given intravenous or intramuscular repeated dosing is generally required now the benefits of administering phytostigmine are it can easily cross the blood-brain barrier so it curbs both the peripheral and the central adversities and one thing you should be knowing that scopolamine toxicity is much more profound than atropine toxicity now 
Apart from phytosigmine additive agents, they are diazepam for seizures. Then you can go for gastric lavage, artificial respiration, etc. Now with the August ending and season twisting, our topic is to turning. I'm thinking of devoting one more episode as a quick summary and few leftovers and then it's gonna be a fresh start of a novel topic. Yes, we are heading straight in fast. For all the updates and latest episodes of my podcast, do visit www.isfarmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine. It actually contains a lot of updates about medical sciences, drug information updates and my podcast updates also. You can follow me on different social media handles like Twitter, Insta, Facebook and LinkedIn. They all are with the same name. Is Pharmacology Difficult? If you're listening for the first time, do subscribe and follow whatever platform you are consuming this episode. Stay tuned. Do rate and review on iTunes Apple Podcast. Stay safe, stay happy, stay enlightened. Thank 